This is Suddenly Family. I'm Samuel Burke, and these are the true stories of people's lives forever changed by at-home DNA tests. Most people don't realize when they swab their cheek or spit into a tube, they're rolling the DNA dice. You're taking a gamble, depending on which company you go with. See, these tests don't just tell you about your ethnic heritage. They might also match you to relatives you never even knew existed. If, unbeknownst to you, a relative is out there looking for you and they've tested with a site like 23andMe, but you've taken Ancestry.com's DNA test, there won't be a match. You'll never know you had another family member out there. When Wolf Martinez sends in his DNA sample, he's entirely unaware his gamble has the most unlikely date with destiny. I looked at her message and she said that she had shocking news. I did an Ancestry DNA test in hopes of finding you, and it worked. And she said, what? I said, yeah, I just found out through Ancestry DNA. Perhaps the most unexpected DNA result of them all. That's coming up on Suddenly Family. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you appreciate investigative storytelling. What if you had the chance to investigate and share important stories? Whether you want to dive into a new career in journalism or start your own investigative podcast, the Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University offers a variety of graduate programs just for you. My first step was visiting cronkite.asu.edu, where you can explore the master's degrees in investigative journalism, mass communication, and sports journalism. Now. Back to Suddenly Family. So where does the name Wolf come from? Wolf is a name that was given to me by one of my spiritual elders in the traditions of my indigenous ancestors. And it's a name that has stuck with me, oh, for more than 20 years now. Do you ever go by your birth name or is that a lifetime away now? No, it's more just like a legal name. Very few people use that name. Even my mom, she calls me Wolf, and I don't even think she uses my birth name when she's mad. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your childhood. What was life like for you growing up? I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. I'm the oldest of three kids. Was raised Hispanic and going to Catholic church. The first part of my upbringing was in a neighborhood that was really mixed Hispanic and Anglo. And then at the age of 13, we moved to the suburbs. And that was a little harder. It was a predominantly upper middle class white neighborhood. And I experienced a lot of racism in that environment. And Wolf, you've shared very publicly about your substance abuse really beginning in your teenage years. So take me back to this time in your life where you're using drugs and alcohol. Of course, I was grappling with my identity and my sexuality. And then this is in the late 70s, early 80s. There were no gay figures, really. Definitely very much in the closet and drugs and alcohol was an easy escape. Around 21 is when I started to really accept myself or my sexuality and going to gay bars and yeah, 
It wasn't all darkness. I don't think it is for anybody. We do those things because we find some enjoyment or illusion of enjoyment anyway. And I definitely had some good times that I can look back on, but for the most part, it was a very insecure and dark time in my life. Those dark times last well over a decade until Wolf is nearly 30 years old. In 1993, he's crashing toward rock bottom when Wolf's invited to a Native American spiritual retreat, healing ceremonies with a Native elder and medicine man. Four days of talking circles, sweat lodges, and traditional teachings. I had already decided to end my life prior to being invited to that gathering. So that was part of the desperation to go to that gathering. Was I had lost my will to live. There was a four-day gathering held in upstate New York by an elder by the name of Grandfather Albert Ward. And it was the first medicine man that I would meet. And upon going, they asked that I'd be drug and alcohol-free for four days to go. And I hadn't been sober for four days in 15 years. Every part of my being knew I had to go. And upon arriving and participating in, in the first ceremonies, I really... I found home. I felt like I had come home. After a couple of weeks of what I would say is emptying out, I just had this deep cry for a couple of weeks. And then one day I realized I hadn't even thought about smoking pot or drinking alcohol. In that whole duration of time, it never even crossed my mind. A new chapter begins in Wolf's life. He's sober and seeing everything, including himself, with a lot more clarity. He decides to become a therapist and spiritual counselor. Wolf goes from being healed to healing others. Over the following decades, he gains acclaim in this field and starts traveling the globe to help others transform their lives. Wolf meets his husband, and they move to Santa Fe, New Mexico, the ancestral lands of Wolf's family. And when Wolf's dad passes away, Wolf discovers a family tree his father had started, and Wolf decides to carry on the research by joining Ancestry DNA. My spiritual path includes talking to the ancestors and calling upon the ancestors and developing a relationship with the ancestors, honoring of the ancestors. There's so many ancestors, especially great-grandparents and so on, that I didn't even know their names, so I wanted to learn more about that. Did you find them? Yeah, I found a lot of information through Ancestry. And take me to this day where you get an unexpected message. So on April 7th of 2020, a couple weeks after lockdown due to COVID, it was a Tuesday morning and I got up and I saw that there was a message on my Facebook in the folder that's from people that you're not connected to. I looked at her message and she said that she had shocking news. We'll be right back. Podcasts shed light on stories that otherwise may not be told. What if you could be that voice for someone? Well, you can. 
The Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University allows you to do just that. Become an investigative journalist, a strategic communicator in the media field, or a thought leader in the world of sports. Do what I did. Visit cronkite.asu.edu to learn more about their graduate degrees. Who will you become at the Cronkite School? Now, back to Suddenly Family. I went to this folder, and there was a message from this young woman by the name of Alexandra Lovett. And she was very, very stunningly beautiful young woman, but again, we didn't have any friends in common. I didn't know how I would possibly know her or why, why she was messaging me, but I looked at her message and she said that she had shocking news and that through an ancestry DNA match, we had a parent-child match that her mother and I had met in 1986 and it was a very drunken one-night stand. She didn't know anything but my first name at the time, which was Greg. And Alexandra said she had been looking for me her whole life, that she was an adult and didn't need anything from me just to know who her dad is. And she also said, I understand this is life-changing and shocking and you had no idea of my existence. You might need a few days to process, but I do hope you decide to get in touch with me. I just want to know you. What goes through your mind in that moment? Confused and disbelief. I hadn't had a full cup of coffee yet. It was first thing in the morning. I was still kind of wiping some sleep from my eyes, I think. And I thought, what? What is this girl saying? What did she... What is she saying to me? And I have read it again. And upon reading it a second time, I still was like, does she, is she saying that she's my, wait, uh, I got to read it. And I read it a third time and I read it a fourth time. And it wasn't until the fourth time that it clicked that she had referred to Ancestry DNA. And I went to my Ancestry DNA test, and sure enough, there was her name at the very top of my page. It said, uh, Alexandra Lovett, parent-child match. I was in disbelief, and I was clicking around, trying to figure out if there was some mistake or how could that possibly be. Being a gay man, I had some encounters with women when I was young, but not a whole lot. She did say 1986, and I knew that that was the time in my life. I was 22, and I was a little messy in those years. I was clicking around on that page, and I came to a part that said, parent-child match probability 100%. And when I saw that, it hit me. And I thought, oh my God. Well, I immediately went back to my Facebook after yelling out, screaming out to my husband who was in the other room. and showed him what I was looking at on Ancestry, and he was just thrilled as can be. He was just so excited. He's like, oh my God, you're a dad, you're a father. So much of society has such a black and white view of sexuality. So I'm sure people are listening to this and wondering, what was a gay guy doing sleeping with a woman? You're opening up another topic. Human sexuality is so complex. I know very few gay men that have never had an encounter with a woman. 
I don't think that there is this strict definition that exists. There's some fluidity and that we're loving beings and we have, we have the capacity to love all people and who were sexually attracted to might be more greatly to the same sex or the opposite sex. I think there's a lot of confusion about human sexuality in our contemporary world. You were surprised by this news, but you knew it wasn't out of the realm of possibilities. It jived with your past. It was in my hometown, and it was in the neighborhood where I lived and in that time in my life. And so the pieces added up. And not only that, there was this amazingly beautiful young woman that clearly had my features. And clearly, there was a strong resemblance. And that's what mattered the most to me. This girl never had a father. And she said, I've been looking for you my whole life. And as overwhelming as that was in the moment, it was also clear that I was her father. And she wanted a father. And I needed to be her father. <laughs> that was really clear to me. And what do you do next? Oh, so then I, I wrote her back on Facebook and I said, no, I don't need any time to digest this. I need your phone number. And she sent it to me immediately. And then I said, "Are you? can you FaceTime right away? And she said, yes. And so I literally called within minutes. As Wolf dials, what he can't possibly grasp is what he's discovered in just minutes has taken Alexandra, his daughter, a lifetime of investigation. It's Alexandra Lovett. I was born and raised in California, San Jose. Upbringing was pretty difficult for my mom. She was a single mom trying to raise two kids and work full time. But she was always, always present, always there for us. It was great. And what did your mom tell you about your dad? So I realized very young that I didn't have a dad because they were making Father's Day presents one year. And I was like, well, I don't have a dad. There's not a man in our family. And I went home and I was like, hey, I, where's my dad? <laughs> I was like, where's my dad? I don't have one. And she's like, Oh, I, you know, he, he passed away, but it didn't stop at the questions. I didn't buy it. So I would continuously ask all through my childhood. I was like, well, how did he die? Where was he? You know, how old was he? What was his name? And she was just like, oh my gosh, this brought up more questions. You were very inquisitive. I don't know what brought that on. I just know that I didn't give up. And preteen, I think she thought I was more able to handle it then, the truth. And so she was like, okay, listen, he didn't pass away. He might still be alive. I don't know. She's like, I only knew his first name. What was it like when she told you that when the story changed? I was angry. I was mad. I was like, what? You have been telling me this whole time. It's easier to say, oh, he passed away to try to not have any more questions than it was to 
tried to explain how she was only with him for one night and then couldn't find him and so went back to San Jose. For a kid, I think, she didn't want to try to explain her party years. <laughs> Alexandra's 11 years old when her mom finally admits she lied about Alexandra's father dying. The only thing her mom can recall about the man is his first name, Greg. That's the birth name Wolf was still going by when they met. So Alexandra starts looking for her father. For a young girl, that means staring at countless pictures of men's faces looking for a resemblance. In 2001, Alexandra has her first brush with DNA testing. She's only 14 years old when the state of California has her take a DNA test. They're looking for back child support payments from someone they think might be her father. I got my hopes up way too high and I was really let down when they came back and said it wasn't a match. And I was really sad and I kind of just accepted that I might not be able to find him. And then MySpace came about and I looked around for people named Greg in their 50s and I couldn't find anything. And then Facebook came around and I was looking throughout the years and I didn't have a last name. She just said it was something Spanish or Mexican kind of sounding last name. So she couldn't remember. Alexandra's search goes on for two decades. And one of the most gut-wrenching parts of hearing Alexandra talk about her years of trying to find her father is that the entire time she's working off of mistaken information from her mom. She also said that his parents owned a Mexican restaurant. He actually worked in a restaurant when they met, but she just got that little bit wrong and thought it was his parents who owned a Mexican restaurant. I just did random internet searches. I would look up old Mexican restaurants in Denver and then look at the owners. If they had pictures of the owners or I would look through reviews and reviews, like I can't even tell you how many restaurants I looked up and how many leads I followed through just that alone. And obviously all of them were dead ends because that was not even a fact of, that wasn't a part of him. So they were all dead ends. Nothing but dead ends for 20 years. So once again, Alexandra's drawn back to DNA testing. In 2018, she takes the now-defunct National Geographic DNA test. By this time, she's almost 30 years old. And the question burning inside of Alexandra as she waits for the results, will this test give her even a small lead to eventually find her father? No. Told me I was related to Mary Antoinette and like King Henry or something and Abraham Lincoln. And I'm like, how much of this is a story? <laughs> <laughs> and how useful is this to me in my everyday life? Yeah. And for a while, I just gave up. I was just like, it's okay. I'm fine. The way I grew up, my mom has been a great mom and dad to me. So I'm just going to move on and let it go and I'll be fine. And then this year... One of my best friends, Brandy, she took the Ancestry DNA test and she said, oh my God, Alex, 
It is crazy how many family members I have that I didn't know about. I found all these people and then I just was like, oh my God, I need to do it. I need to do it. I was like, Brandy, I think I could find my dad now. And it got here late March and then the results came early April. Were you on pins and needles waiting for the results after you took the test? Every day I checked the status. Every day. Where is it at now? I was on lunch on April 6th when I finally got the results. So I'm sitting there just minding my own business, eating lunch. And then all of a sudden it says I got a text message and an email at the same time saying my results are in. You've been linked to family members. Check out your results. And I click it. And it just is spinning. It's like a dead zone of internet in my break room at work. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I inhale my food as fast as I can. I'm like, I got to get outside. So I clicked on it. And Samuel, it was crazy. I saw first and foremost, it says, new results, parent-child match, 100%. There was this man, unknown man right in front of my face, and then my mom right next to him. I'm looking at my mom. I'm looking at this man. I'm looking at my mom. The results are the same. says parent-child match, parent-child match. And I stared at it in disbelief for several minutes, just staring at it. What's going through your head? I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that it was going to be that easy. There was no way that I didn't have to put in more work to find this man, that it was just right there in front of my face. After all of that work you'd put in for years, MySpace, Facebook, searching Mexican restaurants. There it is right there in front of my face. Undeniable. I had to repeat it to myself over and over again. You found your dad. You found your dad. And I didn't believe it. I didn't even believe the the words that were coming out of my own mouth. I was sitting there and it just all of a sudden hit me and I started crying uncontrollably and clicking on everywhere that I could. I'm looking around and I see on there that he has his Facebook linked to Ancestry. And it takes me to a very active, very public Facebook. And it was so satisfying. It was just an amazing feeling to be able to see all about this man. So you are studying your biological father, his whole entire social media footprint without ever actually speaking to him first. I looked at everyone. I looked I looked at who I was going to contact next if he didn't answer me. (laughs) So you see on his Facebook page that he's gay. Do you deduce that from what you're seeing about him online? Yeah, I was ecstatic. I was like, oh my God, I got two dads. I have two dads now. Like not just one. I have two. Like this whole time I have had none and now I get two. Do you decide you're going to contact him? How long do you let this digest? I was very hesitant to actually contact him. I was almost just satisfied just being able to see him from a distance and know that he's alive. And I was like, no, I have to tell him that I exist. He has to know. I've done all this work. 
I gotta be just a little selfish this time. I was wondering if there's any chance if you would like to read the message. Oh, I would love to read the message for you. I love reading it. Hi, Greg. I have some shocking news. I did an ancestry DNA test in hopes of finding you, and it worked. In 1986, you met a lady named Jimmy Levitt. You guys met at a nightclub. It was only one night. I am an adult and not looking for anything, but just to know you if you are willing, of course. I know this is huge and life-changing. I can't tell you how long I've been wanting to find my bio dad. Please take your time and process. I know it's a lot, especially during this time. I really hope to hear back from you. Yes, very shocking. I don't need any time. I need your phone number. And she sent it to me immediately. And then I said, "Are you? can you FaceTime right away? And she said, yes. And so I literally called within minutes. And I answer it. I can't even remember half the stuff that we talked about because it was just, I was crying. I was laughing. I was literally in shock. I was for sure. I was in shock. And I don't know if I've ever experienced shock like that before. I was dumbfounded. I didn't know what to say. And as I'm witnessing her trying to pull herself together and her, through her tears, and I said, why are you crying? And she said, oh, you don't, you can't understand. You don't understand. You haven't known that I even exist. She said, I've been waiting for this conversation since I was a little girl, my whole life, I've been waiting for this moment. It was another wow moment, like, oh my God, is this real? Is this real? What type of similarities do you see in each other? Everyone my whole life has commented about my laugh. I have a big laugh that bellows and echoes. And Alexandra has a big laugh. She also mentioned in that first call that her last name, Lovett, translates to mean little wolf. I almost dropped the phone at that point. I was like, whoa, that was like a piece of electricity that went through me. That was beyond coincidental. How long does this conversation last? Your first conversation with your daughter? It was about 35 minutes. It wasn't very long. I just found myself stumbling, you know, like I didn't know what I was like. I was feeling like, OK, I'm supposed to get to know you, but. I mean, I wasn't saying this to her, but what was going on in my mind, you know, like, what do you say? I didn't know what to say. You know, I, I was like, well, ask me questions. I was in shock. I was so happy that I just even got to, even if it was just that one conversation, he knows that I exist now. So that was good enough for me. But obviously it was not. It was, it turned into a very good relationship. I love him so much. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing ride. We've been on the phone every day since that first day or on FaceTime. And if we're not talking or FaceTiming, we're at least texting every single day since we met. Wolf knows there's someone who will be overjoyed by this news, his mom. And the way she finds out about Alexandra is a really good story. I quickly came to the realization I needed to talk to my mom and my sister immediately. And I arranged for them to get on a Zoom call, which my mother had never been on a Zoom call. So I was trying to explain to her 
through the phone which buttons to push and how to get on the Zoom call, which took a little, a little bit of process and took some patience. We got her on the Zoom call and then we got my sister hooked into the Zoom call. I told her early on, you know, I said, I have big news. I need to talk to the both of you. It's not bad news. It's just big news. Once we got on the Zoom call, the first thing my mom said, so what's this news? Are you pregnant or what? And <laughs> Well, speaking of which. I said, well, mom, actually, I have a daughter. And she said, what? And uh, I said, yeah, I have a daughter. I just found out through Ancestry DNA. And at first, she, uh, there was a moment of like, is this a late April Fool's Day? No, this is, what? You have a, and then the reality set in for her. I thought she was going to fall out of her chair. My mom doesn't have any grandchildren. This was her first grandchild. So it was something that she'd always wanted her whole life. Yes, she has three children. And one of them is gay, James and Deanna did not end up having children, and the gay man had the child. <laughs> it's incredible to think how this new family relationship is budding, all during the coronavirus lockdown. While so many families are being kept apart, a father and daughter are coming together, getting to know each other through calls, texts, and FaceTime. Alexandra in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and Wolf, all that distance away in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I'm curious to know how their relationship begins to develop. We just had to meet. And so she came out and we had an amazing, we had such an amazing, beautiful, beautiful week together that week. We drove up to Denver so that she could meet her grandmother, my mom and my sister, her auntie and my cousins. You know, my whole family has accepted in open arms, embraced her and welcomed her into the family and showered her with gifts. And yeah, it's been amazing. Wolf's been taking time for himself and his family to get to know Alexandra before he shares anything on social media. After their first in-person visit, Wolf posts photos of them together on Facebook and Instagram. Beaming doesn't even begin to describe how father and daughter look side by side embracing each other in these photos. You'd never have any idea these two only recently met. Wolf, as you were learning all of this news, what did you want to do? Did you want to be a father figure? Did you think that would be too quick? What type of approach are you using to build a relationship with the daughter that you had never known? That's a good question. When it came to the realization that I am her father, how do I approach this? I didn't want to be fathering. I didn't want to be the typical dad. No, no. I didn't want to do that, and I didn't even have the faintest idea how to do that. I just wanted to know this beautiful girl, and if there's anything I could do to support her or encourage her or nurture her, yeah. I have a lot of experience doing that, and that's what I do. We are past this time. He does not have to be a parent to a 33-year-old woman. I have lived my life. I'm established. I'm my own person. 
what he could do just to teach me who he is or let me learn who he is. It's such a simple but profound way to put it. Yeah, that's all I want is just to know him. What do you think your relationship will be like moving forward? Do you think that this is how it's going to be? You'll be FaceTiming, you'll see each other every few months. Is there some type of sketch you have in your mind? So I'm moving there. Wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) I'm going to move to Santa Fe. He said while I was down there visiting, he was telling me all about Santa Fe and He said, where are my ancestors? And then he looked at me and he said, where our ancestors are from. When I went, Samuel, my heart just sang. I was like, I love this place. It's just gorgeous. Wolf, this is a strange question to ask you because you didn't know that Alexandra existed. But once you found this out and knew that she had been looking for her father all these years, did you feel some sort of guilt? No, no. I come from a perspective that everything happens the way it's supposed to. I felt that the timing was, there was like this divine timing, if you want to call it that. There was Great Spirit brought this amazing, amazing, beautiful gift at this time. Maybe when I was ready or when she was ready, never any guilt or feeling of like I missed out or no, no, I never really, I don't think that way. I don't think that way about anything really anymore. I did at some point in my life, but just have this understanding. It happens when it's supposed to. On the next episode, my small Jewish family makes a big Mormon discovery. I was shocked. I was expecting to come up Ashkenazi Jewish. Holy smokes. They've got to be half-brothers. I was a bit heartbroken. And I know my brother was, too. That's on the following edition of Suddenly Family, a production of CNN Philippines and Loomis Productions. Our editors are Lori Burke, Elizabeth Joseph, and Elaine Lee. Sound engineer, Levi Mercurio. Executive producer, Michelle Ancheta. Executive consultant, Armi Harin Bennett. This show is created, written, and hosted by me. I'm Samuel Burke. I have a responsibility as a journalist to tell the public what's going on. Now more than ever, the role of the media and journalists is extremely important. I make that first rough draft of history in Tawagian. As journalists, we deliver the news, we give the right kind of information. News really has the power to shape and influence a person's perspective of the world. It's about the people, it's about the stories. We verify, we confirm, we double-check, we triple-check from different sources. To give them the truth. Trust in one word, I would believe, is integrity. You can't force trust. You have to earn it. People can't trust me if they know that I don't know what I'm talking about. It can be very challenging, but it's very, very fulfilling. News. 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 News you can trust. News you can trust. This is CNN Philippines. News you can trust.